Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> you know, various churches celebrate Christmas and Christmas Eve in lots of different ways. Some churches might have a, a big organ playing, and they might have a huge choir and very formal carols, and, and that's one way of doing it. Some churches might just have a little prayer gathering with communion. Other churches have sort of a Christmas extravaganza with the professional actors and musicians and camels in and out and all that kinds of stuff. And, and I don't know that any one of those is exactly right. And I've been involved in various kinds of celebrations of, like that over the years. And it seems to me as we look at the way that Matthew and Luke describe the story of Jesus' birth, God communicated in several different ways even in that story. So maybe the story itself gives us a little freedom in the way that we can celebrate the birth of Christ. But, but this year, one particular thing has struck me as I prepared for Christmas. Back at the beginning of the month, I had this idea that we would create a video in which our students would share with us the Christmas story, some of our kids, elementary kids. And, and so we set that up, and with some help, some, with help from some, some other people, I assigned them some readings, and they took those home, and we scheduled it. They came in, and they read in front of the camera, and, and that was that. But here's the thing. I was the one editing the video, and so over the next week, I watched them read this over and over because we took different takes to get the very best one so I was watching them read the same thing and then putting it in the right order editing them in and out to get it just right and and so I heard them reading this story many times over that week and as that happened their words brought this story alive in my mind, in my heart, in a way that it really hasn't in a long time. Now, we're going to watch that in just a minute, but here's the thing. They are not professional actors, okay? I did not ask them to perform these lines. I just asked them to read it, and that's what they did, and they did awesome, okay? And I am no, like, video editor myself. I know just enough to get by, so if that's not professional either. What's special to me is, these are our kids. These are children from within our community of faith who are part of families who are at the very heart and life of our church. And somehow them reading the story to me and now to you communicated in such a powerful way just how expansive and huge this story is. So instead of me reading the story tonight, I want to let them read the story. So let's watch the video. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people." Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom His favor rests." When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They did an awesome job, and I was so proud of each of them. And so there's the story, right? There's the story of Jesus' birth. And, you know, it, it strikes me that Matthew and Luke wrote this down. They wrote down this story, and Christians have been sharing that story ever since. Someone copied Matthew, and then someone else copied it. And as those copies were made, they then began to spread out across the Roman Empire and beyond that. And churches gathered in in rooms, whether they were rented or homes or owned or whatever it was, wherever they could gather, they shared the story. And in fact, that really follows in a long tradition of storytelling. The, the Jews, for hundreds of years before, had gathered in synagogues and read what for them was the Bible, our Old Testament. And they, they stood up and someone read it. And the same thing happened as these Jews became Christians. Someone who could read stood up in front of a group of people who had faith in Jesus, and they read the story. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and we're still reading the same story. And there's great power in that. Now, for me, there's, there's a couple of things about this that are really striking. Number one, it's a story. And, and the truth is, stories are very powerful. Stories speak to us. And if we look through the Bible, what we find is, for many of us, our favorite parts of the Bible are stories, aren't they? Maybe it's David and Goliath, or Noah's Ark, or creation. Or, or maybe it's something in the New Testament, like the story of Jesus' birth. Or as hard as it is to read, maybe the crucifixion. Or maybe Saul on the road to Damascus. But these are stories that speak to us. And stories can have a great deal of power behind them. And so, we keep telling the stories. And these stories speak about who God is and who we are as we listen to that. And, and that makes us recognize that it's not just that it's a story, 
but it's a story about Jesus. Now, we could tell a lot of stories, right? Some of them would be totally made up. They might be myths or fables that teach an important lesson, but they're not really true. But here we have a story about a man who actually lived and walked the face of the earth and was God's son, and that story has power because it is true. And that story teaches us who God is. It teaches us that God is present and active and that He was so loving that He wanted to come in and be among us. And so He took on human flesh and lived with us and showed us what life was to be like. And then He died on the cross for our sins. But along with that, the stories also teach us who we are. Because in the Bible, we find all kinds of stories. We find stories of people who, because of their faith, had incredible courage to do things that were nearly unthinkable. Things that we marvel that they were willing to do because of their faith in God. And we find stories of people, faithful people, who really messed up. Stories of sin and even punishment. But also we find stories that tell us what it means to be forgiven. What it means to repent of our sins. All these stories about Jesus point us in that direction. Now, thing is, we can make this about a lot of things. We can make our Christianity about lots of different things. We could make it sort of a, a theological proposition, creeds that we could repeat. We could make it a philosophical system, a way of understanding life. Or we could make it maybe a, a moral code. We could make it sort of Christian self-help. I, I can be a better person, live a better life if I just sort of do these things and show up at church once in a while. Or we could make it about if I press the right buttons and do the right things, then I get from God what I want. It's about me getting what I want from God. We could make it about all those things. But what the Bible gives us is a story. And a story is powerful. What the Bible gives us is this story about Jesus. And the story has power. There is power in this story. Now, the power is in the story, but it's, the power is in the story because it's the story of Jesus, right? It's the story of what he did, what he was willing to do for us. One of the great New Testament scholars said, if we're going to call ourselves Christians and we're going to call this whole thing Christianity, then sometime we need to talk about Jesus because he's the Christ. And so this all reminds us that we have some responsibility. What did the shepherds do? When, when they get this incredible message from the angel and then uh, an army of angels, they go off and they're told, hey, you're going to find the baby in a manger, that doesn't make sense, wrapped in strips of cloth, which is what they did, that did make sense, and so they go off looking for a baby in a manger, and sure enough, they found one, and they told the parents all about this, and they were amazed too, but what did the shepherds do next? They could not hold this story in. They had to tell people. And here's the thing. The shepherds didn't understand everything there was to know about Jesus. He's still a baby. He's not performed the first miracle. He's not uttered the first parable. He's certainly not approached the cross. He's not been in the grave and he's not raised from the dead. But you know what they did? They told the story that they knew. And that's really all they were asked to do. Now, we believe that there is power 
in the story. That, that this story has power. But we believe this story is so powerful that it changes lives. That it affects the people who believe it. When we hear the story of Jesus and we hear just what He's done and the life He lived, the character He had, and the kind of God He was as well, we believe that when people follow that story and put their faith in that story, it changes who they are. And not just sort of makes them like a better version of whatever was before, self-help, or makes them get a better life, get what I want from God, but at their core, they are transformed into the people that God wants them to be. The power is in the story because it's the story of Jesus. And so we have this responsibility to tell the story because we believe that the stories we tell change lives. They change how we think about ourselves. Last spring, I helped out with chess club at Vision Way Christian School here on our campus, if you don't know about that. And, and I'm not a great chess player, so don't ask me anything. I can teach them the rules, enjoy playing. We had a good time, but I'm, I'm no master at that. But one day after it was all done, we met several weeks. And one week we were finished up, and we took the kids back to where they were picked up by their parents. And there was two boys left, junior high. And they were about to leave. Mom and Dad were there. And, and so they were getting ready to walk out. And I said, have a good week, scholars. And one of them sort of like did a double take. He was like, we're scholars? And I said, well, sure you are. Because I think anybody who's in chess club is a scholar, right? So I said, sure you are. And he thought for a second. And he did a fist pump. And he said, yes. The stories that we tell change our lives. They change how we think about each other and they change how we think about ourselves. And in an infinitely more powerful way, when we tell the story of Jesus, it changes lives. Many of us are going to gather with family, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, or sometime over the next week during the holidays, and we're going to tell stories. What are those stories going to do? How are they going to transform lives? What stories are you going to tell to your children or grandchildren, maybe your parents or siblings, your friends, whatever gathering it is? What story will you tell? Because this story has power behind it, and it changes lives. Now, we believe that the story of Jesus is so powerful that as a church, we do something every week to sort of reenact and retell the story. We call it communion, shows up in scripture, and it's really very simple. We take bread, which is designed to represent Jesus' body. That's what he said. This is my body. And then we take a, a cup of juice, and he said, this is my blood. And the whole idea is Jesus is saying, listen, when I go to the cross, I'm going to give my body, and I'm going to shed blood. And I want you, if you're following me, to gather together. And we believe the early church did this every week. I want you to gather together. And I want you to take the bread and drink the cup 
and just remember. And so we do that every week, to retell and reenact that story. And tonight, we want to share in communion as well. And let me say, first of all, that whether you're here for the very first time or you go to another church, you're a member of another church, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, in this place, we invite and encourage you to take communion with us. So we want you to do that, okay? So we're going to take communion. We're going to do it in a little bit different way tonight, okay? So here's the directions. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have you come forward in just a few minutes, and we're going to have elders and their wives. Each elder only has one wife, okay? But that's the way it works. <laughs> and so we'll have one elder and his wife, one elder and his wife, and then one elder and his wife in the back. And what I want you to do is, so these three middle aisles, just come forward and then you go out around the side. So we'll start front to back and just come down. You'll take communion, but they'll also have a box of candles. Take a candle as well. If you've got somebody in your group that maybe can't get up here, that's okay. Just take it back to them, all right? So they're gonna come forward. Let me ask those elders and their specific wives to come forward. And they're gonna hold the basket with communion and the box with the candle. And then we will pray and I'll have you come forward. Let's pray together. God, as we take communion tonight, we are reminded of the power of the story, not only of Jesus' birth, but of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It all fits together. It's all one story. In fact, it's the central story of human history. And so God, as we take the bread, we'll remember Jesus' body. As we take the cup, we'll remember his blood. And we thank you for both. In Jesus' name, amen.